In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with your 192nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode Into the Football Twilight Zone. We're done with the draft. Normally, we would be getting ready to go to minicamp and OTAs, but because of the coronavirus pandemic, Uh, Those activities um, are not going to go on as scheduled. So we're waiting for things to get better around the nation. Uh, We're going to take a look at the football, long look at the football calendar, what the Falcons are doing. Post-draft, we were distracted for five weeks by that. Now we have to deal with the reality of teams missing their preparation for the 2020 season. So we're going to talk about that, the virtual workouts. Two, we're going to look at the centers and how they were ranked. Uh, The grades, we're going to talk about the Falcons draft grades. Look at the edge rushers, and we're going to hear from uh, Georgia Tech coach Jeff Collins. Then we're going to, um, you know, everybody's been sequestered and quarantining. Uh, So we, at the end, we talk about what we've been watching, what we've been doing uh, during the the, the time staying in, self-distancing, and self-sheltering in place is what we've been calling it here. So, the Twilight Zone, we got a story up on AJC.com about the Falcons' virtual plan. Uh, they're going to teach everything online. Uh, they're going to do virtual classes. Coach Quinn's called it customized, customized learning whether it's one on two, one on on three, uh, do it in small groups. They had a big team meeting online on April the 20th to get the offseason program started. And uh, for the foreseeable future, that's what they're going to do. Now, workout-wise, they have, uh, you know, directives from the uh, strength and conditioning coaches. I don't know if they're getting out weights to guys, if they need them or or what, but uh, they're going to count on the guys to be professional, know, and handle that workout part on their own. So, uh, you know, they, they didn't get to the NFL by being slackers. So they, they know what work they got to do, and they'll uh, do it as best they can. I just hope they, you know, there's some legal issues there if you get injured working in your home gym and so forth. But, uh, you know, we'll worry about that later. But that's where they are. Uh, virtual teaching, virtual learning for the Falcons, uh, you know, with the coaches and the uh, players. But they're not going to put a camera in their house to see how they're working out and so forth. That's going to be on the players to handle on their own. Uh, that don't be too much kind of a 1984-type episode. But they are being really uh, aggressive in learning and teaching. And it's contrast with uh, some other teams, at least the Saints – was the one that came to mind. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's true. That's why I didn't write it in the story. I didn't have time to check it out. But supposedly Coach Sean P. 
Peyton told him he, you know, and he had COVID-19, you know, just, hey, I'll see y'all when training camp start, you know. Uh, I'm sure they gave him some workout and some guidelines and stuff to do, uh, playbooks and so forth. And I'm sure they can talk to the coaches and everything. So, you know, uh, that's why I didn't write it. I'm pretty sure they did uh, more than what they were leading on to. But uh, different teams are, are doing it different ways here as we – you know, we don't even know if there's going to be a season, if it's going to be pushed back, how far. Uh, different schedules are floating around out there with no buys and so forth. You know, talking about a 12-game schedule. You know, so we'll just see how everything unfolds. Now, as far as the timeline, uh, we went in shelter on March the 12th. And, uh, you know, China went in and they got out in 76 days, but they got some really uh, repressive measures Saw some pictures of, uh, you know, the kids are back in school, but they're all wearing face guards and the whole desk are guarded. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's all, you know, true, but that's what it looked like on the Internet. So I don't know if we're committed to doing all that. We barely can get people tested. So I don't know if 76 days is a good guideline or or what, you know, but we're just going to you know keep on going on here and hopefully we can uh, you know get everybody safe and healthy here and then we'll worry about football and some of the other other things as we move through the coronavirus coronavirus pandemic so we're in that virtual twilight zone now where football you don't know when next time you're gonna see a ball punted or kicked you know we were distracted by the draft we would be getting our mini camps now and OTAs with training camps set for late July you know, I'm thinking of they push to, you know, push to late August. You know, that's when everything starts anyway after Labor Day or used to. So, um, you know, we got time to get things corrected. Although, you know, uh, you know, the clock's ticking on the nation right now. But, but uh, you know, if not, that's more important than getting back to football to so get everybody situated and, and, and healthy. So number two, let's talk about the centers here. We, um, in our top 10 position by position, we had them ranked differently than the way they came off the board. We had LSU's Lloyd Cushenberry, number one. Uh, Michigan's uh, Cesar Ruiz, two. And then uh, Matt Hennessy, three. The Falcons' uh, selection in the third round, 78th overall pick. Now, Ruiz went off the board first in the first round at 24. Uh, Hennessy went off second at 78th, and uh, and then Cushenberry went five picks later. And uh, Taylor Biasi, the Wisconsin center, went to on the last pick in the fourth round. So that's pretty much spot on. The uh, Falcons passed on Cushenberry. They liked um, Matt Hennessy better. They had a better background check with him with Coach Collins. We'll hear from Coach Collins here to wrap things up today as we deep – Go into the football twilight zone. Now, uh, the Falcons grade, I report cards up. Uh, it's a C plus. Okay. And uh, no, no, C minus. No, no, C minus because it was almost a D plus. But we look, you know, we look at all the other grades. Uh, the general consensus is they took A.J. Terrell high, but the Raiders were going to probably take him at 19. So he wasn't going to be there in a second. So they got the corner they want. Now, was he going to be better than Christian Fulton, Trevon Diggs, and James Gladney, the three other corners that were kind of lumped in with him? The Falcons thought so, so they took their guy. Now, 
between those two, there were a lot of players that some of them may turn out to be better pros than uh, than Terrell, maybe not. So um, that's where the Falcons did. They get they get their scheme fit guy, overdrafted him. Marlon Davidson, uh, they probably got a um, got him a little bit higher, a little bit later than he was expected to go. A lot of people had him in the first round. So that was a good value pick. And then Hennessy, uh, a lot of people had him in the second round. I told you where we had him. And, uh, you know, they, they took him there. They need a left guard who can maybe be the future heir apparent to Alex Mack at center. So they, they're comfortable with those uh, three picks. We got our depth chart out. And we went on and moved all of them right to the front of the line. Uh, with Davidson being in a timeshare situation with uh, Tyler Davidson. So the grades at B-plus, NFL.com has got the highest grade. But, I mean, like, how are they going to objectively grade their own teams? They're owned by the team, so they're going to tell you how great everybody's draft was. So, But that's the high. Then the low was the D-minus out of the New York Post. They think the Falcons panicked when they couldn't go up and get Jeff Facundo or E.J. Henderson. They took uh, Terrell way too early. He was the 29th ranked player, and they took him at 16, but they liked him, so that's why they took him. Now, if this Murray kid goes on to be a Peter Willis, uh, then we got another Jamal Anderson situation where the Falcons took somebody on knee and a greater player behind him ends up going to the Hall of Fame. That's uh, that's happened a whole bunch. Um, you know, uh, when you drafted for need, it happened when they took Parade Jerry to play tackle when uh, Clay Matthews Jr. was sitting there. He went on to be the player of the year, and, you know, his, his career is kind of dying out now, but uh, that was a while back in 09. So he went pretty strong for 11 years, 10 years. Uh, and played a lot of Pro Bowl ball, high level, got a Super Bowl ring and so forth. So when you pass on the best players, it usually comes back to haunt you, uh, but you can go to sleep now because you got a cornerback. So you got something that you needed, but uh, you didn't get uh, the best players. And so that's why the grades are all shaking out like they are. The um, other point here, the the two guys in the fourth round, Mikael Walker and Jalen Hawkins, uh, God bless him. Uh, but neither one of those guys were in the top 250 of Pro Football Focus. Uh, and to come off of the, the non-top 50 list into the fourth round, that's uh, <clears throat> doing a good job by them. And um, the Falcons West Coast scout, whoever that is, that recommended those two guys. So uh, we'll, I'll, I'll go find that. I need to go do that. But when I, when I um, you know, start setting the best player available, uh, you know, the teams that win the Super Bowl, you know, the best players make plays. They win the games because they got better players. You know, it's not about the scheme. Sammy Watkins getting open on Richard Sermon in the Super Bowl. That's because he was a good player. He's the best player. He, um, you know, shook him up, went left, right, left, boom, he's wide open. The deep ball to, to Tyreek. You know, you got to draft talent. You got to beat the other guys. You got to have better players than other teams. Can't just be going scheme, scheme, scheme and thinking you're going to out-scheme somebody when they the other team's watching film all week long. You need to have some better players. That's why the Falcons didn't go to the Super Bowl in 12 
Because uh, San Francisco had better players on defense. Falcons ran out to a 17-0 lead, then couldn't cover the tight ends, then couldn't move the ball against Navarro Burrow and uh, Amon and uh, all those guys. Navarro Bowman, I'm sorry. Uh, but, yeah, they couldn't uh, couldn't cover the tight ends. Kaepernick was able to find the tight ends and move the ball and won the game. They went to the Super Bowl. Got to have better players. Everybody's got schemes. I mean, all these coaches can coach. They spend untold amount of hours in the room. So if I'm a coach, I'm like, hey, give me the best players. I'm going to find a scheme to get them in, which is what it, you know I learned under the Ron Wolf folks, Green Bay, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren, John Gruden, so forth and so on. John Snyder, uh, you know, so so forth and so on. So, you know, just pick them to fit into your your screw, you know, into your uh, scheme, your block, your circle into your block or whatever. It just comes back to haunting you time over time. So that's why we, you know, that's why they got a C minus. If they'd have drafted uh, higher-ranked players, we probably had a better grade. And then just turn them into what you need them to be. That's what you're coaching for, and they got good coaches. So that's with our, our spill on the grades. Uh, B plus, you know, if you were in uh, some places, they throw out the high and throw out the low, and still you end up right around C plus, C minus. So we, we're comfortable with that grade moving forward. One of the... Uh, the Twitter folks, Twitter GMs got at us, said, well, hey, he gave him a C- in 2016, and that was a draft that got Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, and uh, Austin Hooper. Yep, so, yeah, we missed on that one, but, hey, which one of them is still here? Only one. Uh, Keanu's been hurt two years. You don't know if he can make it back, and he couldn't pay Campbell and, uh, couldn't pay Campbell and uh, Hooper. So, they're not. That's not helping you much. That you have a good draft, then you can't keep the people you develop. So, yeah, we 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 uh, you would regrade that draft three years down the road. It would be higher than a C minus, and we'd be more than willing to come back in three years, in 2023 or whoever's still around. They can go back and look at this draft. And heck, man, if Marlon Davis is in the Pro Bowl, A.J. Terrell's locked down corner, and uh, Matt Hennessy's out there calling signals at center and learning the game, uh, you know, he would have learned the game from Alex Mack, and he's going to the Pro Bowl, then this draft's going to look great, too. Then we have to regrade it, give him a, a – maybe the other guys can help out on special teams, and you got a punter. So that might work out for him. But right now, that's where we're at, C-. minus. So we know the Falcons uh, needed to um, they needed to improve the pass rush. So then drafting pass rushers, they they did get Devontae Fowler in free agency. They picked up Davidson, so they're gonna put him next to Grady. And so uh, their pass rush front looks something like this: Fowler, Grady, Davidson, Tack. Okay, that. That's okay. I think, you know, that's got potential. Let's see where that goes. Then you got Alan Bailey behind him. You got uh, Kaminsky behind uh, and Tyler Davidson. Uh, Tyler Davidson was paid money, so he's a run guy. So that's a timeshare with him and Davidson. Uh, Against the run, he'll play. And then I think against the pass, Davidson will come in and rush from that spot. And then they they like um, Stephen Means as kind of a backup to – Fowler and Tack. 
So Stephen Means made a good accounting of himself in 2018. A lot of people, uh, he was with the Eagles on the Super Bowl team, come in, came out of Buffalo with Khalil Mack. So, you know, that that is a guy that's been around the league trying to hold, uh, you know, earn his keep and uh, certainly showed to be a, a sturdy and steady player in the action in 18 before he hurt his Achilles last year. So that's a, that's a rotation up there. That's where uh, they believe they got their pass rush better by getting Terrell at corner and putting uh, Davidson in the middle of that defense. But the pass rushers, let's look at where they win the draft. Um, okay, after Chase Young went, we had Clavion Chason from LSU didn't go to the 20th pick. 18 picks later, Falcons passed on him. Uh, Yeter Gross Matos, he went to Carolina at 38 in the second. Uh, Davidson went 47. Daryl Taylor to Seattle, 48. Uh, and A.J. Epinesa, 54 to Buffalo. So uh, the Falcons passed on all those guys because they went Davidson, 47. So they passed on Taylor to Seattle and Epinesa, who, you know, a lot of people had coming here in the first round pick. Now, the third round is where all of the um, defensive ends went. That's where people started feeling comfortable taking the ends. We got um, Julian Okora from Notre Dame, went 67th. Jabari Zignaga from um, Florida, New York Jets, Sprayberry High, 79th. Terrell Lewis, 84th, Alabama. Uh, Anthony Jennings went to New England, 87th. Uh, Jonathan Grenard from Hiram High here went to Houston at 90. And then Alex Smith out of Charlotte, UNCC, uh, fighting Cornbread Maxwells. He went 102 with all the other 49ers to Pittsburgh. So that's uh, that's where your edge rushers went. We'll look and see. You know, it was a down year edge rushing wise. And that's where that's where all the folks went and so forth. So let's wrap up here. We got here. Uh, from Coach Collins, he coached uh, Matt Hennessy at Temple. And uh, let's hear what he had to say here about his former pupil. Or saw that he was going to be a center and not a, uh, you know, a right tackle like he was up in uh, at uh, Don Bosco Prep. Yeah, just, I mean, he, he can play anywhere across the line. Uh, he's highly intelligent. And I think you guys have seen the short time we've been here at Jordan Tech. You know, we value position flexibility. We stress position flexibility, moving guys around um, all across the line, both offensively and defensively, different skill positions on both sides of the ball. So position flexibility and cross-training guys, that's in our DNA. And, you know, Matt was able to move around a bunch of different spots, but just being able to direct the entire flow of the offense, he's such an intelligent person, does it unbelievable job with film study uh understanding all the intricacies of the offense um the center position he really could affect the game for us uh the last two years and uh you know i just think the absolute world of him uh his work ethic his determination his character his attention to detail uh but also his athleticism to be able to play wherever you know the opportunity you know unfolds uh there was the falcons i I have full confidence that matt can play anywhere across the line that they needed 
Yeah, they said they're going to start him at guard, and, uh, you know, uh, you, you, can, you can envision that happening for him. Absolutely. I, he's, I mean, he's highly intelligent, um, very flexible. Uh, he'll be able to adapt to any situation and uh, be able to do it at a very, very high level. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they they talked about his intelligence. Y'all didn't notice he was pretty sharp coming out of high school then and could call out the fronts and help with the signals and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you spend five minutes talking to Matt, you can tell how intelligent he is, how uh, how thoughtful he is, um, you know, all those kind of things. He, he has that uh, at a very, very high level. And, uh, you know, he kind of sees the game like a quarterback. He prepares for the game uh, like a quarterback. He's very uh, methodical, very meticulous uh, in his approach to the game. But the cool thing is, you know, once you put the ball down, it's time to play. He still has that edge, that toughness, uh, you know, that teams look for. Uh, you know, the, the single-digit tradition at Temple University of toughness, physicality, uh, work ethic, all those things is a great tradition. Uh, while I was there, we awarded Matt one of the coveted single-digit jerseys just to stamp how tough he is. Now, obviously, his offensive line, he can't wear the single-digit jersey, but every single day at practice while we were there, Matt would rock that number three. Right. And it was it was really cool to see you know somebody that's six four and a half, you know, three hundred, uh, rocking that single digit. He he made that thing look good, and it was well earned. And uh, you know, so just really really proud of him. Yeah, but I, I was at pro day, but I respect y'all space. I could see when uh, you and uh, Thomas were talking. He said yesterday y'all were, you know, doing he was kind of doing the cross check with you on Matt. Then, uh, you know, what uh, what were you able to, you know, give him, you know, uh, in that information session? Yeah, so the, the same things that I've been bragging on Matt, okay. the same ways I would brag. Uh, to Thomas and to Coach Quinn. And uh, here, the really neat thing about being at Atlanta's college football power is that we've become really, really close with the Falcons organization. Uh, you know, we're a sounding board for them on a lot of the guys that we coached at the previous place and the guys that we're developing right now uh, to be future NFL stars on the Georgia Tech roster. And uh, just that relationship piece that we try to offer up to every single NFL team uh, we have an open door policy, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Uh, obviously, when we're back, you know, back being able to see each other again, um, it is an open door policy. We want NFL scouts in. We want them to see uh, what the Georgia Tech student athlete is made of. And I think you see, you know, we've had seven guys from Temple University get drafted over the last three years. I'm hoping one or two more comes off the board today. Um, but then in retrospect, you know, there hasn't been at Georgia Tech a non-specialist drafted in the last three drafts. So we got to get back to that at Georgia Tech where we're having, we're recruiting Sunday players, we're developing Sunday players. And, uh, you know, the cool thing about our place is once they get a degree from Georgia Tech and they had that NFL career, they're setting themselves up for an unbelievable, uh, successful life, you know, with the partnership of both. Yep, no doubt, Coach, no doubt. Have you all heard anything on Davidson and Cottrell yet, or that's just going to 
Uh, wait to the end of the draft today. Yes, yeah, so I'm in, I'm in a group text with with all of them, and uh, we've been texting all day, and obviously keeping our eyes on the on the last part as it winds down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know from personal feedback how many teams really like them, yeah. and uh, you know if they don't get picked up in the at, at the end of the draft. Yeah, I think some some teams are going to be uh, coming after them really, really hard. Um, you know, because I think you know Tyler is a, is a really good tight end, can do a lot of things, has unbelievable special teams value. I've heard about Nathan Cottrell, uh, that he is the number one special team specific guy on a lot of draft boards. Um, and then Jared Southers, back to that position flexibility, they know they can get him into a camp. He's going to be able to move across the line up and down and might have a chance, you know, once he gets on somebody's roster, uh, you know, to, uh, to stick. So just excited about uh, their day. But just the, the days of... Um, you know, Georgia Tech uh, being in the in the conversation of getting drafted at a, at a at a rapid rate and at a high level, those days are coming back the way they're supposed to uh, with the team that represents downtown Atlanta. Well, all right, Coach, I certainly appreciate that. Y'all, yeah, y'all yes, gonna sir. make it a little bit more busier for me on pro day then. I'm looking forward to yes, it. Yes, that is that is the plan. And I, seriously, next year I think it's gonna be. I mean, our guys put on a show this year, even though we only had four. Mm-hmm. Uh, they represented, you know, our program very well, and then we've got a larger senior class next year, and there's some really, really, really good players uh, that I think are going to come out uh, and put on a show to show that they belong at the next level and uh, belong at a high level at the next level. Okay, well, I'll be looking forward to it, Coach, and looking yeah, forward to seeing y'all play. Thank you, Coach, and I stay safe in this thing and keep all your boys together. Thank you. We'll do. Thank you. All right. Bye now. There he is, Georgia Tech coach Jeff Collins, uh, trying to put it together down there on the flats on North Avenue. Uh, Good luck to him and his staff. And uh, Matt Hennessy was one of his guys. So, hey, we're going to close out here. Uh, Just a couple things. Uh, I've been watching The Last Dance. Of course, some of y'all know I covered the NBA during that time, 95 to old. 2000 uh you know that was uh the rockets two titles and uh then the uh, bulls three peak then the start of the spurs run so uh one of my big stories was on the trail Spreewell going after pj calissimo he's from milwaukee and uh, we had to do the life and times of latrell Spreewell. but uh yeah covering jordan all that i've been enjoying that i forgot all about the how rowdy the bad boys were and uh I remembered where I was when Jordan hit the shot on the Craig Elo and the Cleveland Cavaliers was driving up 71, coming back from the Kentucky Derby. And uh, he took the heart of Cleveland that day. Cavs should have won a couple titles back then, too, except for Wayne Embry traded Ron Harper for Larry Bird Jr. That would be Mr. Danny Ferry, who uh, was not Larry Bird Jr. And uh, the Cavs... uh, Went back to the middle of the pack, of course, until LeBron came back the second time and got that title that they should have got that Michael Jordan and the bad boys took from him back in the day. So hopefully you found something to watch. I've also been cooking brownies around here and uh, washing dishes. That's a big thing, I guess. Didn't really, uh, wasn't really on my radar screen now. But, uh, yeah, I learned how to put the dishes, wash them, 
you know, and so forth and get them in the washing machine thingy and put them up. But yeah, learning new chores here at the Live Better household. Get ready to close out with some more music from DJ Magic's getting ready to graduate on May the 9th from Howard University virtually. We got DJ Detroit on the ones and twos playing the record she composed. Let's go out on that. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.